If you've been around the church for very long, you have likely heard the word gospel hundreds, if not thousands of times. In general, if we were to boil our understanding of the gospel down into a simple definition, we would probably give the typical Sunday school answer, Jesus. And we'd be right. Jesus is the gospel. That's true, but, but to say that Jesus is the gospel leaves out a pretty crucial point of the story, the impetus. Yes, Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, and sending of the Holy Spirit are the central parts of the gospel. But to minimize the gospel story to, to Jesus' life alone is like jumping into the middle of the story without knowing what led up to that point. It would be like only watching It's a Wonderful Life from the point where Clarence the Angel jumps into the river to save George. It might be a nice story, but, but we don't know why George hates his life. So, in order to understand Jesus, we need to go back to the very beginning. Actually, we need to go further back. You might ask, well, how do you go back further than the beginning? Well, that's a good question, and the answer is, you go to the one who was there before the beginning began. Time is irrelevant when you're eternal. In fact, the very idea of time was created, and just like everything else, it serves a purpose, God's purpose. Before we get to the beginning, we need to understand something. God is never not in control. At various points throughout the timeline of history, it has seemed that God has stopped caring or even ceased to exist. But once we get beyond the absurdity of a created being like ourselves, limited by the restraints of time and space, offering critique on an eternal being who has always existed, we will see that God has never once lost control. But since we are not eternal, at least not in the sense that we have always existed, we can only do our best to hypothesize some of God's purpose in creating the universe, the earth, and mankind. To do that, we have to draw from just a few verses that clue us into the fact that God did in fact have a plan and purpose in mind before anything had been created. First, let's take a look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, which says, For He, being God, chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Now, even if this was the only reference in all of Scripture, it should be enough. But it's not. We actually find similar ideas in Titus and 2 Timothy. From Titus, we, we learn that God actually promised the hope of eternal life before the beginning of time. Before the beginning. And in 2 Timothy 1, verses 9 and 10, we can see that because of His own purpose and grace, God called His children to live a holy life. This grace was given to us before the beginning of time, even though we didn't know it yet. Well, let's look at a few more. For instance, in Psalm 90, verse 2, the psalmist writes, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From before the mountains were born. Something that we see and think has existed for forever, like a mountain, is actually incredibly new. It was created by God. In fact, God's name is actually, I am. In other words, I am the God who always is. There has never been a moment when God wasn't. There will never be a moment where God isn't. 
God always was, always is, and always will be. That's just one of God's names for himself. Do you remember one of the others? Oh, God calls himself the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Still not clear enough? Okay, well, let's see if this helps. God actually says, Before me, there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Isaiah 43.10 Well, what was God doing then before he created time? I don't know. But one thing is clear. Before he created the earth and everything in it, he had a plan and purpose for it all. Not a single aspect of the complex ecosystem that has been functioning for thousands of years is by chance. Not, not a single aspect of the way God created human beings is happenstance. And not one person that has been created was an accident. No human being has ever existed that God didn't want to exist. God wanted every person to exist and he had a plan and purpose for their existence. From before the beginning, a major part of God's purpose in creation was grace. Our simplest understanding of grace is unmerited favor, getting something good that you don't deserve. God wanted to give us something incredible before we even existed, let alone had been able to do something on our own to earn that thing. Why would God do that? Well, because that's who He is. God's graciousness is another thread woven throughout the timeline of God's story. God's grace is one of the key elements driving this story that He has been creating since before creation. It's important to know that grace was always a part of His plan. When we start to see God's grace showing up in the story, it would be easy to confuse its arrival in the timeline of the story with the connection to the events of the story, as though God needed to react to a part of the story that had gotten out of control. But that's not the case. Because there's never been a moment when God hasn't been in control. He's had a plan from before the beginning, and, and when it comes to His plan, He's been perfectly faithful to executing that plan. And that plan and purpose is his story. The Bible, the universe, and every created thing, it's all God's story. God is not only the author, he's the central character. God is what we call an omniscient narrator. An omniscient narrator is someone who is outside the story that knows everything about the world and characters of the story. God is the only being outside of this story. Before time was even a thing, God was there. But he isn't just outside the story, he's in the story as well. Because of his position outside the story, he's able to not only see, but write his story in the way that works best with his purpose and plan. Because God is omniscient, God has never been surprised. He had a plan and set things in motion to see that plan come to fruition. Does that mean God is responsible for every act in our human history? Well, we'll get to that later. Which brings us to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. This world that we live in is God's. The air we breathe is God's. Every created thing is God's creation. 
There's nothing in existence that God didn't make possible. But how did he make it possible? Not like we might think. God didn't have to get his hands dirty to do the work. He spoke it all into existence. He spoke it all into existence. It's hard for us to imagine because all we know is creating from things that have already been created. If you want to build a house, you cut down a tree. If you want to make a pot, you got to go dig up some clay. But not so for God. The very things we use to create from, God spoke into existence. Before the very first day, God spoke. It was His speaking that created the very concept of a day. On what would become the, the very first day, there'd never been one before, on the very first day God spoke and created light, and there was light. There was no battle, there was no struggle, God just spoke and light came into existence. Then He spoke and separated light from the darkness and gave names to each, day and night. And for the first time in history, there's a day. There's never been a day before. And now, for the first time, God created a day. But God didn't stop there. He kept on speaking. God used His words to create space in the water that was the earth. He spoke and, and He created a vault or a space between the waters above and the waters below. He keeps on speaking. He tells the water to move from here to there and causes dry ground to appear. He called the dry ground land and the gathered waters were seas. And with the creation of land also came the system by which land would contribute to the greater system of all creation. So God created all the plants and vegetation on the land, each with the ability to carry out His plan. Seeds that produce fruit according to their kind. Incredibly enough, on the fourth day, God makes the sun to light the day and the moon and stars to light the night. Well, how did God create light before He created the sun? Well, I have a theory, but, but that's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. So let's hold on to that till later. As God continues to speak and, and the days which He created carry on, he speaks into existence all the creatures that swim in the sea and, and all the creatures that fly in the sky. To them he gave the command to be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And then on the sixth day, God makes all the animals that live on the land, providing another important element to the ecosystem he was creating. And this whole ecosystem this whole thing worked together according to God's plan. Everything had a purpose. It all worked together to create paradise. Paradise. It was just missing one thing. A representative to oversee it all. And on the sixth day, God would make that representative. This creation was unlike all the others. All other created things were unique. The, the, the creatures of the sea were different from the creatures of the air and different from the creatures of the land. But while this creature was different from all other created things, this creature wasn't unique. There was something uniquely familiar about this creation. This created thing was created in the image of God. The other animals didn't look like the being that created them, but man, man was made in the likeness of God. Well, how did this being come into existence? 
God formed man from the dust of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Did God use his hands to form man? We don't really know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe man was the only thing God touched with his hands to create. Or maybe God formed man with his words in the same way he had formed everything else. But this creation was made like God. And it was like God in more than just appearance. This being would be capable of something no other created thing would be capable of. Love. This creation was created with the ability to give of itself for the benefit of others. Were the other creatures capable of love? I, I suppose it's possible, but, but not like this. Not this same kind of love. This being made in the image of God would actually be able to make a decision to deny itself. But there was also another difference. Where all other creatures God made would operate within the system God had designed, this being was different. This being had the ability to choose. All other created things would live under God's authority without question. And because he created man to act as his representative on earth, all these other created things would also live under man's authority because man was God's representative. Remember how God didn't have to get his hands dirty to do the work of creation and, and how he spoke everything into existence? The first work that God gave Adam to do also had to do with speaking. Except this time, it was Adam who did the speaking by naming all the different living creatures. So it would appear that God's plan was for mankind to be His representation on earth, even to the point of doing work in the same way that God worked. But what is love without choice? If love requires willfully giving of yourself for the benefit of others, but that giving isn't a choice, is it love? So God created a choice, and He put it right in the middle of the garden. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.9 when God put man in the garden, God gave the instruction, You are free. You're free. Free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God gave mankind a choice. This was the one command that God gave. But notice, the command is a choice. And it's a choice that we still make to this very day. The choice between God's life and our own knowledge. But this choice that Adam made wasn't just for himself. In fact, we know that Adam's decision would be our decision. We see in Romans 5, 12 and 19, Adam's choice was our choice. How he chooses to respond to God's options is how we will respond. But at this point in the story, what does man know? What does he know in his mind? What is the knowledge he has? Apparently, since he hasn't eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he doesn't know what either are. That might be a bit of a leap, but it's within the realm of possibility to suggest that all Adam knew was good. Except for the one thing that God said wasn't good. Genesis 2.18, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Everything God had made was good except for isolation. Yes, Adam had God. Yes, Adam was made in the image and likeness of God. But Adam was not God or even a God. He was like God, but was not God. God's plan from the beginning is that he wanted to be our God and he wanted us to be his people. 
But how was that going to happen with just one person? How could Adam fulfill God's command to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth and subdue it? It's not good for man to be alone. So God made a companion for Adam who was like Adam, another human being. And in their first existence together, all they knew, all Adam and Eve knew, was God. There was no wrestling over what the right thing to do was. They, they just did what was right. They followed God's plan. From the beginning, God had a purpose in mind for everything He created, especially for people. One of the overarching themes of the Bible is that God wanted to live among the people He had created and to, and to be their God. He wanted a people who wanted Him as their King, their authority, and their God. So God had something in mind when He created this paradise for Adam and Eve to live in. Not to simply create the earth, the people, and everything in it, but to create a kingdom. He had His own kingdom in mind for us before He created the world. A kingdom ruled not by force, power, or coercion, but a kingdom ruled by love. A kingdom where the king could live among the people, and the people would live under God's authority with glad and sincere hearts. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. This kingdom would be a kingdom ruled by grace, where unmerited favor was given in abundance from God to the people, and from the people to God, and from person to person. A kingdom where people would gladly sacrifice their own desires for the good of others. A kingdom that was not ruled by force, but by love. From before the beginning, God was, is, and always will be love. By God's definition, love requires sacrifice. It requires giving of yourself for others. And this is exactly how God started His relationship with mankind. He started by giving. Not asking or demanding, but by giving. And he created a paradise which would serve as the setting for this grand exchange of love. But when there's a choice, whether you ask, expect, or even demand someone to give you their love, they can still choose not to give it. When there's a choice, no matter how good you are and how good your plan is, there's still the possibility someone may choose a different plan. Even if, even if you are the omniscient narrator of the story who was before the beginning and will be after the end, and, and even if you have marked out a desired path for someone to follow that will cause that person to, to thrive and, and to enjoy something as amazing as paradise, no matter how good your plan may be, if there's a choice, then there's the possibility for someone to choose differently. As things were, this was paradise. We learned from Genesis 3.8 that God actually walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Something that seems to be a normal experience for Adam. It would appear that God would have his paradise. God's grace which drove him to, to give to mankind a paradise to rule over had created a literal world where God could be the God of his people. God's path and plan were in motion. God's story had begun, and, and the first pages were spectacular. Will mankind choose to follow God's path and plan? Will they refuse to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil like God asked? Will they continue to walk with God in the paradise He created? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Man was on the path God created, and everything was good. God's paradise 
created the perfect environment for mankind to thrive in relationship with God. The world and all its parts worked in perfect harmony when people were going God's way. The question is, would it stay that way?